I'm Jim Brown, your Bible teacher at Grace and Truth Ministries. I'm teaching on Tuesday and Wednesday at 2.30 or 3 o'clock around there uh, since the coronavirus is running rampant across the country. And uh, we don't meet. We're not calling in the people to meet. All we've got are are uh, some cameramen, two cameramen, and Mike's running the board, and sometimes we'll have two or three people in here. And uh, we're not going to open up the ministry until the coronavirus subsides or till the majority of the people get these vaccinations. And I'm trying to teach. I teach on Saturday. I'm in a continuing series on that. Everything I do is in series. I did a series on Genesis. took about two and a half to three years to get through it. Did a series on Revelation for four and a half years. And I went through every, nearly every major word in the book. And I still didn't finish it. It was 236 messages. So I came back and did about another 30 more. Still hadn't finished it. Teaching Revelation, you have to go back to Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy. You're going to find a lot over there. And then you're going to find a lot through the prophets. You have to go through all of this to teach Revelation. Revelation is a Jewish book. And then I've done about five or six series on the 70 weeks of Daniel. The last one I did was 18 months on Sunday morning. And you cannot teach one message and give everything there is to know about a message. I've been talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not Saturday anymore. When the Bible says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, it depends on what the Sabbath is. Sabbath doesn't mean seventh. It means rest. That's what it means. And the Bible says, and we know that Sabbath is when you cease to work. And the Bible tells us in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, and it talks all through the third and the fourth chapter about a word that connects with the Sabbath. And that word is katapasis. Kata, P-A-U-S-I-S. It means to pause down. It actually means to settle down. Settle down, and then it equates with this word called apostis in that fourth chapter. It equates it with the Sabbath in verse 9. There remaineth therefore a rest, Sabbatismos, Sabbath, to the people of God. For he that entered into his rest, called apostis, he also hath ceased from his own works. So when you when you enter into God's rest, you settle down and cease from your own ergon. And your works are works of sin. 
That's what they are, Galatians. Galatians, the fifth chapter, tells us what the ergon is. If you want to look back at Revelation, I mean, excuse me, Galatians, I get all these things going in my head. Galatians, the fifth chapter. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. And then it goes into adultery, fornication. It goes into a man's sin. So you will either live in your sin or you will live in God's rest, which he goes into what the rest is in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is, is is singular, fruit is singular, karpos is the word fruit, and it's one. It's singular. So every one of these, if you have one, you're going to have all the rest of them. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. And I want to try to, I'm trying to help people. I have come to a place in my life, most people can't believe that I am where I am. My family wouldn't be able to believe it. They're not really interested in the truth because if they were, they'd be calling me or requesting DVDs. They just don't care about it. And I'm not mad at my family. I just, if my brothers and sisters are those who do the will of the Father, and we've got all these places, you've got places in the Scripture that will tell you what the, what the works of the flesh are. I'm trying to get over to people. When God begins to take away the desire for sin, when you've been a believer for a long time, God begins to take away desire for sin. I'm talking about as a believer. Unbelievers, vessels of wrath, fitted for destruction, never get over themselves. The problem is, like I've said, demon, daemon, D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N, Daemonion is self. There's no such thing as demons. Daemon, coming from that, D-A-I-M-O-N, means to distribute fortunes. It has to do with money. The love of money is the root of all evil. Distribute fortunes. So when you have a love of money, you have a love of self, and you're wanting to get somewhere in life with your investments, your houses, your cars, your things, your money, your stuff. But when God begins to take away the desire for sin, the works of the flesh, you begin to rest in life. No envy, no jealousy, or gossip, or what others have, or what they accomplish. You come to a place at 81, I don't want what somebody else has got. I don't even want more money. I don't want more of anything. All I want to do is to be able to live and preach this truth. You will be idle. You'll be idle or out of work in the spiritual and working for the flesh. Or, or you'll either do that 
or we'll be working for God and idle in the flesh. That's what you'll be. You will begin to stop offending in the flesh. You will offend in the spirit. The Bible says, Blessed are those who are not offended in me. Now, you will have an offense one way or the other. The unbeliever will be offended. And that's in Matthew, the 18th chapter. Matthew 18. Let's go over there to Matthew 18 and see what he's got to say about that. I don't want to offend anybody. I'm not mad at anybody, but I don't want to hang around anybody that doesn't believe these truths of predestination. And that includes my own literal family. I don't want to be around them if they're going to talk about Christmas and Easter and free will and they can have what they want and they're wanting to talk about the vacations they're going on or the fame they're getting a hold of and how much people like them and how they're going to be somebody I don't understand how old people can come to that. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, the 12th chapter, Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no more pleasure in the days of my youth. I don't have any pleasure in the days of my youth. I don't want to do the things I used to do. I don't want to go bowling. I don't want to go fishing. I don't want to do anything except... Give this truth out to the world. That's all I want to do anymore. And that's the truth. You can sit and talk to my wife about that, and she'll tell you that. That's the way Jim is. Now, I said was going somewhere, and I forgot where I said was going. You will be idle in the, in the, in the spiritual and working for the flesh, or... You will be working for God and idle in the flesh. There's something I've got to give you. It's on being idle, and it has to do... See if I can find that paper here. I've got so many things I want to talk about. Uh, I've got several chapters that will talk about the sin that men have to give up. But I want us to go over here talking about idle things. Look over here. You will either work for God or you work for yourself. If you work for self, you're idle when it comes to spiritual things. You won't work for God. You're lazy. You're slothful. That's what the Bible says. Look over here. In 1 Timothy 5, 1 Timothy, the 5th chapter. 1 Timothy 5, it's talking about being idle in the flesh. And that means you're just, you can't work for God and self at the same time. You say, Jim, I thought you said you have to add it to your faith and it comes slow. That's right. You will be seeking the Lord. You got two men in you. I keep talking about it. You got the outer man, which serves the law of the flesh. And this is after you're born again. Paul says that in Romans, the seventh chapter. He says, the things that I would do, it's no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. And he says, I can't do the things that I really want to do. And he says at the end of the chapter, I've got an inner man, which is Christ. 
And when you first come to Christ, you don't want to do much of anything. Oh, you have an enthusiasm. I want to go out and witness to the world. And you wind down and you get boring after a while and you get bored and you quit. And then you have to start. God has to bring fire in your life to start you up again. Fire and trials and persecution. And if you belong to him, these things will happen to you. And then God says, I'm going to overcome this outer man. The inner man serves the law of God. That's Christ in you, law of God. But you'll either be lazy on one or the other. Now, I want to talk to you about lazy, okay? I've got a track over here that says it's titled Lazy Christians. And it's talking about you cannot serve God and man. At the, I'll put it this way. You can't serve God and self at the same time. First Corinthians, the 10th chapter, says that. Let me give you that real quick. First Corinthians, the 10th chapter, says. First Corinthians 10. All right. First Corinthians 10 and verse... 19. What then, that the idol is anything, or that which is offered in sacrifice to idols is anything? God says earlier in that chapter that these, well, he says here in verse 20, but I say that the things which the Gentiles, speaking of Corinth, sacrificed, that was a seat of all kinds of idolatry, all kinds of temples, to the worship of female and male deities. The things that Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to devils. Now this proves that they called their God by the title of demons. The word is D-A-I-M-O-N-I-O-N. Daemonion is our word demon. means to distribute fortunes. So the saying right here that that which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to Daemonion. As we said a while ago, that's just an idea, that's an imagined idea of self and not to God. And I would not that ye should have fellowship with Daemonion, with these gods. They called their gods in the first century. They said this was their ancestors deified as gods. You cannot, now verse 21 is what I've been talking about. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. You cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and the table of devils or daemonion. You what he's saying, you cannot partake of daemonion daemonion and which is distributing fortunes and the Lord's table. The Lord's table was the was the was the brazen altar in front of which that's where the that's where the lambs died 
daily, every morning at sunup and every evening at sundown. And you cannot die to self and fulfill self at the same time. He's not saying, I won't let you do this. He's saying, you can't do it. You can't fulfill the flesh and die to the flesh at the same time. That's what this is talking about. So you cannot have what you want and serve the Lord. And I've done that in my life. I want to do both of it. I want to have a big pop singing group that was real good Christians. There's no such thing. Now, I want to tell you about over here in First Timothy. And you'll either be lazy to God or lazy to self. The older you grow, you quit wanting to fulfill self the longer you live. Look here in First Timothy. In First Timothy. I'll get there in just a minute. Stick with me. All right. First Timothy, the, the fifth chapter. First Timothy, the fifth chapter. Fifth chapter. And he's talking about being idle as a believer. And he says, I need to go a little earlier in this chapter. Uh, verse 9, Let not a widow be taken into the number under threescore and years old, having been the wife of one man. So a widow, it, he's saying, you, I don't want you helping any widows that's under 60 years old. That's a true widow. Any widow that's 50, she can work and make her own living. He's saying, take care of the older widows. Well reported of good, of good works, if she have brought up children, if she have lodged strangers, if she have washed the saints' feet. What do you mean washed the saints' feet? They lived in a desert. They wore sandals and their feet got real hot. And what one of the things they did when people would come into their house, they would sit sit out, they would kneel down, put a basin under their feet, and wash their feet to cool them down. If she have relieved the afflicted, if she had diligently followed every good work, but the younger widows refuse. If they're 40 years old and they're a widow, don't take care of them. If you're going to be righteous, you've got to take care of the widows. And then he says, But the younger widows refuse when they have begun to wax wanton or wicked, that's what wanton means, against Christ, they will marry, having damnation because they have cast off their first faith. And withal they learn to be idle. The word idle, argos, means lazy. We used to have a guy come here his name was Argon and he knew that his name meant lazy wandering about wandering means to vacillate run around periurkomai p-e-r-i p-e-r-i e-r-c-h-o-m-a-i 
Periarchoma comes from peri. You've heard me. You've seen me put that on the board many times before. That word means around. Around. And ergon. See here, erko my ergon. It means to work all around somebody's life. And it means to be a busybody. We're not supposed to be doing that. He goes on and says, not only idle, lazy, but tattlers, philaros, P-H-I-L-A-R-O-S, P-H-I-L-A-R-O-S. It means garrulous, G-A-R-R. O-L-O-U-S. Garrulous means talking incessantly and not learning to shut your mouth. That's what it means. Tattlers and busybodies. Periergos, which is a form of the word wandering. P-E-R-I. P-E-R-I. E-R-G-O-S. It means to work all around somebody's life and tend to their business. We're not supposed to be doing that. That that takes us to, let's look at another word for this. The same word, 2 Thessalonians 3.11. 2 Thessalonians, back up a couple of books, 2 Thessalonians 3 and... Eleven, Second Thessalonians three, and verse eleven. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly. Disorderly is the word atoktos. A t a k, a t a k, t o o s. Toctos means to be orderly. The alpha in front of it means not behaving correctly, being disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies, periergos. They're working all around somebody's life, trying to tend to people's business. We don't have any business trying to argue with people or take care of their lives be gentle and kind and tender-hearted to people. Even if you can find fault, you're not supposed to be doing that. If they need to be corrected, God will correct them. There's another word that is similar to this. And it is another word in 1 Peter 4.15. 1 Peter 4.15. Let's look at that. 1 Peter. Four and verse fifteen. But none of you, he's talking about suffering. He's talking about beloved, think it not strength concerning the fire trial, which is to try you. When you go through the fire trial, don't get loose with your mouth and get to fighting and arguing with people. I keep saying this: most of the world is vessels of wrath fitted to destruction 
Most of the world is going to hell. If they give you a hard time, they're supposed to do that. You're supposed to take it just like Jesus did when he stood before Pilate. And Pilate said, what is wrong with you? Don't you know that I'm, I've got power over you to release you and let you go? And Jesus knew that Pilate's mind was made up. He was going to crucify him. So Jesus didn't answer him. He didn't say a word to him. And Pilate said, don't you know I've got power to release you? And Jesus said, you have no power except to be given you of my Father which is in heaven. I am here to die. That's all i got to say. So let none of you suffer as a murderer. We're not supposed to be suffering taking vengeance on people. Or as a thief. Or as an evildoer. Or as a busybody in other men's matters. Keep out of other people's lives. That word busybody is allo trepiscopos. A-L-A, A-L-L-A. Let me erase this. A. This is not the same word, periergos. A-L-L-O, T-R-I-E, A-L-L-O, T-R-I-E, T-R-I-E, P-I, P-I-S-K-O-P-O-S. You may recognize that word, scopos. It's our word, scope. Or it's scope, S-K-O-P-E. It means to aim at or point out. It actually means to oversee other people's affairs and be a meddler. Stay out of other people's affairs. Being to meddle around places you don't belong. Yeah, but you know, well, they did this. It doesn't matter what they did. Keep your mouth shut. If it's vessels of wrath in the world that's persecuting you, they're supposed to. God made them vessels of wrath, and they can't do anything good, but they have to do evil and persecute God's people. And they're supposed to do what they do. Boy, I have had to learn that in these last ten years or so. It means it's come from Allo Trias, A L L O T R I O S. Allo Trias means another's or something foreign or hostile. It means to to get involved in some hostile affairs of others. Now, you'll either be working for self or you'll be working for God. If you're working for God, you're resting in His daily Sabbath. You're ceasing your own sin. Let me give you a couple of things about idol. This is very interesting. When you go over here to Matthew, this is the word Argos. Argos. You go over here to Matthew 12. 1236, Matthew 12. Matthew 1236. All right. 
Well, the Bible is speaking about every idle word. Idle means unemployed. It means it's not employed for God or doing God's work. 1236. 1236. Here's what the Bible says. 1236 says, But I say unto you that every idle, every argos, unemployed word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. For by thy words thou shalt be justified. Dikaiao. Justified. Rendered innocent. Justified doesn't mean to be saved. It means when you... We will do the good works of God. We won't do our works. We will rest in God's works. And we'll give up to God what He wants us to do. So we'll be justified and by our words we'll be condemned. This is a really an interesting subject. When you get into idle words, it's talking about being idle and not doing anything. It means loafing or being lazy or slothful. And you read in 20, Matthew 20, same word, Matthew 20 and verse 3. Jesus speaking, and he went about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he's going to hire some men to do his work. And these are doing nothing. And then he says over here in in First Timothy, we read this. They stand idle, and they're they're idle in their life. And look over here in Titus one and twelve. Titus one. Here's this word argos. We're talking about lazy. You'll either be lazy for God and working for yourself in your sin. Or you will be working for God and resting in His spiritual Sabbath daily. Now, and you say, gosh, Jim, how long does it take for me to come to that? Well, it took me a lot of years to get to a place where I want to work for God constantly. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to work for myself when I was young and get rich and famous. Titus 1, first and second. That's on Timothy Titus. Titus 1 and verse 12. Speaking of these evil men that subvert houses, teaching things that they ought not, in verse 11, for money, for filthy lucre's sake, one of themselves, even a prophet of their own, said, The Christians are always liars, evil beasts, Slow bellies. Now you have to understand what that slow is the word argos, lazy argos. Lazy, that's what it means. Slow means lazy. Bellies was a Epicurean term. 
belly. The belly doesn't mean the stomach. The Epicurean said the belly was the seat of all sensual desires. And all you had to do was fulfill the desire of your inner man, which is your belly, not your stomach. And they said that would fulfill everything spiritual. So he's talking here about the man that is... But if you're not going to know this, if you want to learn this, get you a, a word study concordance or an Englishman's concordance, it'll give you all the times a word is mentioned in it. Then when you go over to Second Peter 1, and here's again Argos. Second Peter 1 and verse 8. Speaking of the of the seven things you have to add to your faith, for if these things be in you and abound, the seven things starting with with virtue, which is maturity. So you have to start with virtue, and then you add knowledge. That takes years to add knowledge. Gnosis, the first word, virtue, arete. You have to grow up spiritually. And then you have, this is what will keep you from being lazy. You have to add maturity. How long do you have, does it take to become a mature Christian? 30, 40 years? After you begin to learn something and study. When I was 17, I started studying the Bible. I didn't know where to go and what to do. My father was an old, simple country Baptist preacher, and he would read uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9 every time he got up, or quote it, by grace you have saved through faith, not, not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And he would never go to verse 10. We are We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, Agathos, beneficial works, which God hath before ordained, before ordained, proetoimazo, P R O E T O I M A Z O, means to fit up in advance, fit up in advance, that we should walk in these good works, these, these agathos works. So you have to walk in agathos works, not in works of the flesh. The works of the flesh are adultery, fornication, and the list goes on and on. We have to give up the works of the flesh in order to rest in the Sabbath of God. God's Sabbath is every day. I've said this, when you realize that God is preordained everything just like he's preordained that we should walk in these works poetoimazo comes from pro meaning before before and hetoimas hetoimas means to fit up to fit up before or in advance before the foundation of the world God has preordained everything. He works all things after the counsel of his own will. 
In everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And we have to understand when the Bible says in Romans 8 and 28, and we know that all things work together for good. They all work together for good because God is conforming us to the image and the likeness of Christ in that next verse, in verse 29. He's preordained and predestined us to conform to Christ's likeness and give up our works. I don't even know how to explain this to people. I think that you have to experience age to understand this. I I believe you have to understand. You have to get old and you're tired of life and self. I'm tired of me. I'm tired of Jim Brown wanting what he wants. I don't want to do that no more. That's so uncomfortable. When you are young, you're frustrated because you've got to have the house you want, the girl you want, the guy you want, and the car you want, and the job you want, and I'm never going to be satisfied until I get what I want. And as you get older, you say, this is the will of God, what he has brought me to. And it's not supposed to be better. At 81, I'm not going to live much longer than this. If I live another four or five years, I'll be in my mid-80s. And most men don't live past that. I'm learning to be content. When I say I want to go be with Christ, I have a desire to part and be with Christ, but it's more necessary for the church that I remain. I really mean that. I mean, I have, I'm tired of the world. I'm tired of all the fights, the political fights, the church fights, all the preachers lying and not telling the truth. I'm tired of it. I can't be mad at the people because God made them that way. That's what I've learned. You can't get mad at the world for giving you a hard time. They're supposed to. They're supposed to give believers a hard time for believing the truth. Now, so, all these verses about God declaring the end from the beginning, uh, Isaiah 46 and 10, God has declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times everything that's not yet done. He's declaring the end, the end of time from the beginning and everything that's not yet done. Now, when he said that, they said that to Isaiah in the 7th century, in the 7th to the 8th century B.C. So if he's declared the end from the beginning, everything's not yet done. He's declared all the wars in the Old Testament. He's declared the death of Jesus. He has preordained it all to happen. He's preordained your life and everything you've gone through and a ticket you've got and a sickness you've got and losing your house that you've got and losing your cars and losing your wife and everything that happens. He declared it all. Why can't we rest in that? We have to cease. It's... By grace you are saved through faith, that not of yourself. It's not of ergon, works. It's not of works of the flesh. It's not of your sin. Is it sin to be preparing when you're young? Yeah, it's sin. Not You have to be preparing. The sin part of it is frustration. When you worry about you can't do the things. If we could learn as young men that we can depend on God to be what he is in our life and have us where he wants us, our lives will become more tolerable. But you can't learn that when you're young. You have to get old to learn it. 
especially when you know you don't have that much longer to live on earth. You can cease to depend upon your sin. Now, people that... There's a really an amazing thing about this word argos. Argos is a word that means to be lazy or unemployed. Now I've got a paper here. I've got to share something with you. When you find the word argos, which has to do with being a busybody, or slothful, or lazy, what what I'm trying to explain to you is that when you're lazy and argos, it doesn't mean you're lazy in this life. You may be working for yourself, but you refuse to work for God when you're younger because you have this fleshly body alive and well. This outer man is alive and well. And it doesn't want to do as much work for God. Oh, you think you do. You get all enthusiastic. I want to work for Jesus, do all these things for God. When it doesn't happen quick, you wind down and have a tendency to want to be slothful and lazy. Here's, there's, there's a word that I've been working on for a long time. And I haven't known exactly how to present it to you. It's the exact opposite of slothful or lazy. Lazy would be the word argos. And the opposite of that, this means to be unemployed. Unemployed. And that's a busybody tending to other people's business. That's not your business. Your business is to tend to the things of God. Things of God. And the word over there is going to be, it's going to be a dozen words. We can start off with this word, Quia. It's the opposite. Quia. C H R E I A. C H R E I A. Now, this word means to employment. Employment is the opposite of unemployed, isn't it? Argos is lazy in the flesh. It's lazy tending to other people's business when you're supposed to be pretending to God's business. You say, Jim, I can't quite understand that. God's business is never offensive intentionally to people. There's a word that means to be offensive. And the word is scandalon. Scandalon. That a lot of times is translated offense. Offense or offend. 
and you have a a word that is a synonym to scandalon. Of course, you have the noun form, the verb form, scandalizo, S-K-A-N-D-E-L-I-Z-O, scandalizo, that means to scandalize. And what a scandalon is, it's a trap stick. And there's another word that's a synonym for that. It's the word pogis. It is the same trap stick. That's where they would they would fix a, a sapling. They would take a little tree, bend it over, and put a little noose on it there so that when the rabbit come along, he would be caught in the noose and would trip him up maybe break his leg, and he would be trapped. This word scandalizo, when the Bible says in Matthew 18, we'll go over to Matthew 18, I'll show you this. Matthew 18, Matthew 18 is talking about scandalizing a person, a baby believer. And we're not to ever trip them up. Now, they're not developed Maybe they don't understand a lot of things in the Bible. And just because they don't, it means you're supposed to make fun of them or give them a hard time. They're babies. They can be a baby in the Word and be 50 years old. We used to have a guy that come here. His name was Al. And he, when I was in my 50s, 55 or something like that, he was in his early 70s and he'd come up to me and say, Jim... I come out of Catholicism, and I'm just a baby trying to learn these these things. So you can be older and be a baby in the truth. Now, over here to, where was I going in Matthew? Matthew 15. 18, 18, that's right. Matthew 18. Y'all have to forgive me sometimes. I get so many things going in my mind. Here in Matthew, the 18th chapter... The Bible is saying here, 18. I don't know how to read this. I'll read some of it. And some, verse 1, At at the same time came the disciples and Jesus saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the middle of the the apostles and they and said verily i say unto you it went into red letters there verily i say unto you except you be converted and become as little children ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven that means to be innocent not holding grudges not being jealous not being having all of this character of evil men you can be 50 years old or 40 or 30 years old and become as a little child. You have to humble yourself and say, Jesus, what do you want me to have? A lot of people don't want to humble themselves because they say, I'm a grown man and I don't need to humble myself. Well, yeah, then you don't, you need, you don't need to go to heaven either. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as a little child, it doesn't say be a child, but humble yourself as a child and say, Lord, I, 
I'm not deserving of the things you've given me. The same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Who shall receive one such little child in my name receiveth me? But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones, and it doesn't mean just babies. It means anyone who's young in the faith. That word offend is the word scandalon. You trip up a child, a young person in the faith, and here's what you deserve. Whosoever you spend one of these little ones, which believe in me, it's talking about a believer. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea than to fend the baby sheep. So you got to watch out what you do. Well, they deserve this. You don't need to be sarcastic. We don't ever need to use sarcasm as a method of correcting people ever. A lot of people don't understand sarcastic humor. We shouldn't be using that. I have had to learn that myself because I used to do that. You can't do that. Now, scandalon is a trap stick. It's a trap stick, and it means to be unemployed. That's argos. That's lazy. That's lazy. You're lazy when you scandalize somebody or you use a trap stick, a pogus, to to trip people up because, well, you should know that by now. I know that. Well, you're not as smart as you think you are when you offend these little ones. Now, there's a word over here in the New Testament, Korea. Korea means to be employed when the Bible says when the Bible says that my God shall supply all your need let's go over there to that everything has to be interpreted from the context of scripture go to need go over there to Philippians the fourth chapter now I love this because This is used out of context all the time by sports people, by sports characters. Go to Philippians. Philippians. Ephesians, Philippians. Philippians 4. Now this is used out of context. There's two verses here in Philippians 4 that people are just completely messed up on. One of the verses is verse 13. I'll explain them after I read them. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That doesn't mean I can go out here and build big factories and I can become a star and I can make touchdowns and I can whip some guy in, in the UFC or in boxing and I can have it put on my put on uh, tattooed on my chest that doesn't mean that it don't mean i can beat this guy up through christ which strengtheneth me and then they misquote down here in verse 19 it has to do with the same verse verse 13 and sports stars 
And big preachers who pastor big churches will quote this. But my God shall supply all your need. The word is kriya, need. According to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. You can't misapply these two verses. These two verses have to do with verse 12. Where Paul said, I know both how to abound, to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere in all things I'm instructed to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. He's saying, I can abound and be above everything, and be on top of everything, and I can suffer need. I know a lot of guys that don't understand. That comes right before, right before I can do all things. He's saying, I can abound and suffer need. I can be hungry and be full. And I can do all these things through Christ, which strengthens me. He's not talking about, I can whip some guy and make touchdowns and hit a home run. I did that through Christ. You didn't do that through Christ. That was your ego. That was self that did that. That is so foolish when they misquote these verses. And when he says down here in verse 19, For my God shall supply all of your employment. Employment is whatever it takes to abound and suffer need, to be hungry and be full, both. Has nothing to do with winning a game or building a company. Preachers misquote this and tell people, you can do all things through Christ. Philippians, the book of Philippians is a prison epistle of Paul. He was in prison waiting to be beheaded. It's not talking about building companies. That just galls me. And he says in verse 11, right before he says these things, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, Manthano, I have learned. How long does it take to Manthano learn? It is a form it is a form of Matetuo, M-A-T-H-E-T-E-U-O. Learn. It comes from teach. And what has taught me, we'll get the word Matetes from that, T-H-E-T-E-S, which is the word disciple, which means a learner. And we learn through experience. We learn to get rid of that outer man through years of fire and trials and persecution. And God raises that all up against us. And we want to, when we're young, we have a tendency to want to complain and gripe about it. You're not supposed to be doing that. You're supposed to be thanking God for everything that happens, including the evil that comes in your life. Because the evil is the scourge of evil men. God says, I scourge every son I receive. I scourge mastics, M-A-S-T-I-X. It comes from mastigao. 
S-T-I-G-O-O, which is a leather whip. It was a short whip with leather straps on it, and it had pieces of glass and bone. And God says, I beat my children with an inch of their life to get rid of that outer man and the outer works of man, to get rid of their sin, so that when they get older, and I put all that fire in their life, and they come to a place they've got a thin veneer of sin, They can't get rid of all of it as long as they live in this flesh. So that's the works of the flesh. And as you get older, you want the fruit of the Spirit. I don't want the same things I wanted at 40 years old. I don't even get close to it. I don't want what I wanted when I was 25 or 30, absolutely. I wanted fame and fortune. If God's not changing a person over the years to want Him more and more, you're not a believer. You can say, I go to church and I accepted Christ. No, you didn't. There's no such thing. You don't accept the things of God until you're born again. And when you're born, God begins to work on His people. And after years and years and years of living, I see these country singers say, I'm a Christian. I was raised by a Pentecostal grandfather who was a preacher. Well, they are not telling the truth. And I get to go out here and dress with skimpy clothes on, and I'm some beautiful girl, and I've got real short skirts, and you can see my bosom opened up, and I want to talk about God in the church. You're a joke. There are girls in country music that do that. That's disgusting. You're not a Christian unless you learn to live righteously in the works of God and not in the works of the flesh. Dressing in skimpy dresses with your bosom showing is not godly. And looking sexy on stage is not godly. You girls that do that, you're, you're silly little kids. I don't care how famous you are. You're a kid. Now, this word kriya, when he says, My God shall supply your need, you have the word need is the word kriya. It means to be employed. It's the exact opposite. My God will supply all your need to be hungry and be full, to abound and suffer need. He supplies that need right there. That's the context. Not my God shall supply all my need to build a big company. You're an ignoramus when you say that. And this word, kriya, has got several morphemes to it. A morpheme. Morpheme comes from morphe. Morphe means shape. Morphemes are word shapes. And they are derivatives of the same word. Let me give you some of the morphemes of Kriya. This is what the morphemes are. You have the word credzo, 
K R E E Z O. This is a form of the word Kriya, Kredzo, and then you have the word Kresis, K R E E S I S. They're forms of K R I O, Creo. And then you have Kredzo, and you have the word Kresis, and you have the word Kresh. Christiomai, K-R-E-S-T-A-U-O-M-A-I, Christiomai, and this word, this word, Credzo, means want of necessity, want of necessity. It means something that's necessary and God will supply all that. In Matthew 6, when he says, take no thought for your life, what you'll eat or drink or how you'll be clothed for the Lord knows that you have need of all these things. The word need is the word credzo. That's in Matthew He knows that you have need of food and clothing. Seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His work, and all these things will be added unto you. Food and clothing is the context. Not houses and cars and things. That's kind of like, my God shall supply all your need to build a big company. That is, you've got to stay with the context. Food and clothing in Matthew 6. That's it. Consider the leaders of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spend. Yet I say unto you that Solomon, out of his glories, was not clothed like one of the grass of the field. Consider the fowls of the air. They sow not. They don't sow on a spinning wheel. And God clothes them with beauty. And my God, he will supply all of your there in Matthew six thirty two, six thirty two, he knows all the things that you have need of. It all has to do with being employed or working, and you've got many. And then you have the word "crisis," and that's the same word uh, use. It's the word use. If you use something, you have need of it, and it's employable. Well, the Bible speaks of use in the first chapter of Romans, verses 26 and 27. They did change the natural use of the man and the natural use of the woman to something that was corrupted and polluted. That was women with women, men with men. It's use means to be employed. Then you have the word crestuomai. All these have to do with being employed, the exact opposite of argos, unemployed or lazy. And this has to do with ceasing your own works for the true spiritual Sabbath, ceasing your own ergon. And when you cease your works, you work for God and you become unemployed in the world and you become employed for God. Korea.
And then you have the word. When the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 13 and 4. That charity. Charity. Which is agape. And agape is walking after the commandments of God. 2 John 6. Walking after the commandments. Would that not be working for God? Certainly it would. Working for the Lord would be employed by God. We're talking about employment. And agape, this is agape, Second John 6, This is agape that we walk after his commandments. If we're walking after his commandments, then that is, that is agape. Charity, which is agape, suffereth long, long. It puts up macrothumia, M A K. R-O-T-H-U-M-I-A. It suffereth, it, it puts up with things, it suffers a long time, macro, before it loses anything, and is kind. The word kind means, it doesn't mean nice. Kind is the word crestuomai. That's the word kind. Kind is not nice. I keep saying that. Nice is the word nisker. N-I-S-C-E-R-E. It's a French word. It comes from nay, nay, and skier. Skier is our word knowledge. Knowledge. No knowledge. When you're nice, you either have no knowledge or you're acting nice. If you've got good sense and you're not retarded in any way, then if you are nice, you have to be acting nice and you're playing dumb like you don't have any knowledge about what's going on. And that's what the preachers and the politicians are all doing in America. We don't have any idea what's going on. We're just nice guys. There's no such thing as a nice person unless they are retarded. They're mentally deficient. That's the only nice people in the world. Nice is... i got to track over here being kind is not nice kind charity is suffered along and is crestuomai it's employed by giving out the the charity or the agape of God which is his commandments that's what kind is it's not nice when, you, when the mother's out in public, she says, you kids act nice. Pretend you don't act like this. Pretend you're not like this at home. Pretend something that you're not at home. Put it that way. And then all of this has to do with usefulness. Then you've got the word Christos. 
K-R-E-S-T-O-S. This is a form of the word Kriya, which is the opposite of Argos, lazy. When you're Argos in the world, you're lazy for God and you stay employed for self. Self is the problem. Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Let him deny himself, contradict himself every day. And take up your cross, which you had to be condemned to, and people will condemn you to a cross if you will tell them the truth about Christmas, predestination, tell them God doesn't love everybody. He loved Jacob and hated Esau before they're born. If you'll tell them that it was against the law to celebrate Christmas 300 years ago in America and Easter, they'll get mad at you. And you'll become infamous. You'll be reproached, O-N-I-D-I-Z-O-N-E-I-D-I-Z-O. When you work for God, the world don't like you. You become infamous, reproached. Infamous, not famous. I hope that some of these country people, country singers watch this. If you're famous, you're an enemy of God. Whether you like it or not, that's what the Bible says. Woe unto you when you have big hit records. (laughs) Doesn't put it that way, but that means a lot of people like you, doesn't it? Woe unto you when all men speak well of you, for so did their fathers to the false prophets. Woe unto you when you can draw big crowds and big auditoriums across America. That means you're God's enemy. If you're friends with the world, James 4 and 4, you're an enemy of God. You're extra, you're hostile to God. You can't be famous and be a Christian. Now, I'm sorry, but that's that's a message to all the singers in America, to all the people in Hollywood, to all the famous superstars, to all the titans down here in Nashville. If you're a big, high-paid titan, maybe you need to get fired in order to be a good Christian. Maybe you don't talented enough to be on the A-team and you and they're going to let you go at the end of your contract. Maybe you didn't make that much money. Maybe God will have you go out here and start living a godly, righteous life, living in a regular neighborhood rather than living in a gigantic super home. Maybe God will have to do that to you. You can't be a star. What gets me, Israel worshipped the stars in the Old Testament, Baal in the Grove, Shemash, Molech, Jupiter, Venus, and all these stars, and God condemned them for that. And people that worship stars, they're condemned, and the stars are condemned. That's your problem, not mine. And if you are that, God made you that way. So kind, Christos, C-H-R-E-S-T-O-S. Christos means employed, useful, Christos. Let me, they write it this way, K-R-E-S-T-O-S. It's actually C-H-R-E-S-T-O-S. E-S-T 
O S C H R E S T O S. They spell it with a K, but it's actually a C H. Sounds like a K, and this is a a key, a C H. And that's why this is a C H R. R looks like our P. And Christos is the word that's used so many times. There's none that doeth good. Romans 3.12. Good is the word Christos. Romans 3.12. There's none that doeth good. There's none that's employed doing the useful good things of God. None until God births the inner man and takes over the outer man after years of fire and trial and persecution. There's none. He's talking about there's nobody that is in the flesh before the new birth and has no inner man that doeth good and does any good for God and he's not employed by God. And it's also in Luke 6, 35, For he is kind unto the unthankful. And that's where a true man of God is. He's kind and he's employed by God to the unthankful. Then you have the word crestitas. C-H-R-E-S-T-O-T-E-S. C-H. R R E S R E S T O T E S and Christitas means useful gentleness in character useful useful spiritually useful spiritually and that's the same word that's used in Romans 3.12, there's none that doeth good. It's the same word as Second Corinthians 6 and 6, a man that's of God is long-suffering and kindness by the Holy Ghost, kindness. All these words come from the same word. They're morphemes and all of them have to do with usefulness and working for God then it's the same word when God says or Christos is the same word in Matthew 11.30 Matthew 11.30 See, if you don't know these words that they mean to be useful and at work, has to do with my God shall supply all your need. Korea. And I can do all strength things through Christ who strengthens me. It has to do with that. Then he says, Mike, how much time? No, he didn't say that, but how much time do I have? Seventeen. Seventeen. Then he says, there in, when he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
Easy doesn't mean our word easy. Easy is the word krestos. It's employable. Easy. And the yoke of a kingdom was the laws of a kingdom. Yoke is the laws and that's the agape that we have to walk in. So krestos, my yoke is easy. Come to me all you that labor and are heavy laden. If you're laboring for yourself and you're doing your own works and you're heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you rest. I'll give you katapasis. And you shall find rest in your soul for my yoke is krestos. Krestos, it's employed for your usefulness. It don't mean it's easy. Not what it means. Like my sister-in-law said, getting saved is easy. No, it's not. If the righteous scarcely be saved, mogus with great difficulty. It's not hard on God. He makes it hard on us because He makes us stand for the truth like Christmas is pagan and Easter is pagan and God doesn't love everybody. And we say that out loud and people want to hate us and that is with great difficulty. It's with great difficulty that we take on this yoke of the kingdom. But it's not hard. It em- it's employable. That's what it is. Now, gosh, there's many words with this. Many words go with it. When the Bible says, Ephesians 4.22, here's another word, krestos. K-R-E-S-T-O-S. Here's another word. When the Bible says, Be ye kind one to another. Ephesians 4.22. Be useful to one another. That's what the word means. Be employed. Be good to one another by giving each other the good truth. Be employed. Don't be Argos. Argos is an evil. That's an evil. When you're lazy for the Lord and you won't work for God, you're working for self. You'll either work for God or work for self. One of the two. You'll either live in your sin or you'll live for the Lord. And it takes a long time for God to burn out that outer man to cause you to want to live for the Lord more than you want to live for self. As you get older, you want to do that. Now, when the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, evil communications corrupt good morals. Good is the word krestos. It means employable or what is useful. It's that word krestos. That's in 1 Corinthians 15.33. You communicate with the wrong people, it'll corrupt you. You run around with vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. It, have no fellowship with unfruitful works of darkness, but rebuke them. If any man comes preaching any of the doctrine, do not bid him Godspeed. Godspeed, caro, means, means to be cheerful to him. Should you mistreat people? No, never. 
be very cordial to the world, but don't communicate with them and go to dinner with them when they don't want to believe the truth. Tell them the truth, and if they don't want it, pull away from them. But you don't get mad at them. Now, what's really interesting, what is useful? He tells you what's useful. There's two other words I want to give you that come from this word, Kriya. Two other words. Here's the two other words. This is really serious stuff. Here's the words that come from these other words. Creo and Chrisma. C-H-R-I-O or K-R-I-O. That's the way they spell it in here. Creo and Chrisma. C-H-R-I-S-M-A. C-K-K. They spell it with a K-R-I-S-M-A. Chrisma. Creo. Creo is the word anointed. Anointed. And charisma is the word anointing. A-N-O-I-N-T-I-N-G. Anointing. And this means to... Anointing means to smear or rub. This means to smear or rub. There's one smearing all over us. And what is that? It is the blood of Christ. A blood baptism is death. Blood baptism is death to self. What that is, is death to the outer man so he will cease his own works and involve himself in God's Sabbath. You're not involved in the Sabbath because you go to some church on Saturday. That's not the Sabbath. That won't do you any good. And Charisma. Charisma means anointing. Let me give you some of these. When you go over here to First John, this will show you what is useful in your life. All of this has to be with useful. Christos, Christos, Christatos, being kind. Christiomai. Chrysis, Kreza, coming from Creo, which means to be employed. If you're employed, you'll quit busybodying about the world and quit trying to fix everybody's faults and problems and quit gossiping. You'll stop that. You, all that does is scandalize somebody and trip them up. Go over here to First John. 
First John. This will show you what, when you're employed, what you will be employed with. And this has to do with God's Sabbath in your life. First John. First John, the second chapter. And this will straighten out a word that's probably confused some of you along the way. And why the translators translated it this way, I don't know. Didn't make any sense to me. First John 2 and verse 20. I need to read the whole chapter, but I don't have time. Maybe I can read the verse before it, verse 19. They went out from us, and they were not of us. For if they had been of us, well, I've had a lot of people leave here, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest. They went somewhere else to show off. It's time my time to be a preacher. That they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. That word unction is the word charisma. See, you probably didn't know that. It's the same word here in First John 2 and 20. First John 2 and 20. You have a, an unction. Unction is the word charisma. It's the same word as anointing. Why they put unction, I don't know. An unction. You have an anointing. What are we anointed with? If we keep on reading, he's going to tell us what the anointing is or what the employment is and what our, what our kindness is what our usefulness is, how we're employed by the Spirit of God. Then he... Let's keep on reading here. You have an unction from the Holy One. The Holy One is Christ. Christ in you. And you know all things. I have written unto you because you know not... I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it. You know the truth. You're going to find that truth is what we're anointed with, and that's what's useful in everything we do. That's what we're employed with, and that's what keeps us from being lazy, and we're employed by God, and we rest in everything He's doing. Then he says, Who is a liar but he that denieth that Jesus is Christ? He is Antichrist. The only place you've got Antichrist in the Bible is First and Second John. When people are talking about the man of sin, he's certainly Antichrist, but the Bible says, Even now are there many Antichrists. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Denieth is the word arneomai. It means to contradict. If you don't believe in predestination, you are antichrist. But contradict doesn't mean a one-time thing. 
The Bible says in Titus one sixteen, some men profess that they know God, homologeo, they say it with their mouth, but in works they deny Him. Oh, the works of God they deny Him. Whosoever denies the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledges the Son hath the Father. You don't just acknowledge that Jesus lived. You have to acknowledge His words. Let therefore, let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye shall also continue in the Son and the Father. And this is the promise that He has promised us, even eternal life. He hadn't promised us money and things and cars. These things have I written to you concerning them which seduce you. But the anointing, the charisma, which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same charisma teacheth you of all things, and is truth. Charisma is truth. Therefore, everything that what is useful is truth. Aletheia, A-L-E-T-H-E-I-A. Aletheia comes from the word lanthano, which means to lie hid or conceal. And the alpha privative in front of a word as a negative particle negates the word. Alanthano translates aletheia, the truth. It means not to hide anything. Lanthano means to hide or conceal. So when you are useful, when you're kind, charity is kind. Walking God's commandments is kind. Christuomai. Croesus, to use, be useful. My God shall supply all your need. Usefulness, to get through being hungry and being full, to abounding and suffer need. All this has to do with usefulness, and it has to do with the truth. That's what it says right here. This answers it all. This verse 27, but the anointing which, the anointing, the charisma, which ye have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing, charisma teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, no lie to it. Even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. So when you talk about truth, You're talking about agape, and that's what's useful, and that's what's employed. That's what's employed in your life as a believer, and until you leave your own works, your own ergon, your sinful life, and get into the truth, the agape of God. Truth is agape. Agape is walking in the commandments of God, and that's the truth. My word is truth, and that's the word of God, and the Holy Spirit is truth. 
So when you go through all of this, you quit busybodying, you quit being idle. Idle has to do with not doing anything for God. And the longer you live, the more God's going to get a hold of your heart, the more trials He puts through, and the more you're going to want to crucify the things that you think you used to want. As a young person, you just think you want all these things until you get old and you say, what do I need with a new car? Now a car just gets me from this point to this point over here. I don't pick any car out that I buy. In fact, I don't buy any anymore. Mary buys them. Mary bought a little Mini Cooper, and she thought that's what she wanted. And she got in it, and she started. She couldn't see it. She's four foot seven. She couldn't see out. Couldn't see over the steering wheel. So it sat in the garage for a year. She finally said, "Well, somebody needs to drive that." And had about nine thousand miles on it after about four or five years, or five or six years. And I said, "Well, I'll start driving it. I take whatever she don't want. She gets what she buys the car, and if she wants to keep it, if not, she gives it to me, and that's what I drive. I don't care about cars. They get me from this pot to this pot. I used to care." I don't care about diamond rings. I don't want a diamond ring. I'll take one from you if you'll give it, and we'll sell it and put it in the building fund. Is that okay? <coughs> or if you want to, we'll give it to the poor. I don't care about diamonds. I ain't going to wear them. I'm not going to wear jewelry anymore. I wear a watch. That's just to see what time it is. I don't have a fancy watch that can tell me what time it is in Japan. I don't care if the Chinese are eating supper or not. I don't care. Not interested. I wear a watch just for the time. Well, that's all for this message, and I'll come back and continue on this Sabbath of God. There's so much to say on it. It's resting in doing God's will. That's when you really get to where you don't... The things you argue about when you're young is over your things, your stuff, your opinion, and your position in life. Whether you get the promotion or some other guy got it, or whether you get to be a star or somebody's ahead of you. It's all about the flesh. Let's pray. Father, thank you for truth. God, help us to quit thinking about ourselves. Thank you for your word. God, we pray that you'll teach us all to live for you and not for our own desires. Because when we live for you, we quit living for ourselves, and it doesn't matter what people does to us, if they cheat us or lie to us or use us in certain ways. We realize it's your will. Thank you for truth. Fight our battles. We, I don't ever want to fight anybody again. And I don't really even care what people do to me anymore. It just is not worth stressing over. Thank you for your word. We'll give you praise for everything. In Christ's name, amen. For everything you do.